0: Welcome to Linkin the Wealth. I'm your host, Akindale Akinyemi. I'm the president and CEO of the Global African Business Association. And we're going to discuss today about Africa diaspora trade. From the Brookings Institution um, to the Heritage Foundation to uh, other think tanks like the Atlantic Council, think tanks, um, that have been examining <clears throat> Africa's importance globally agree that Africa is too important to ignore or, or underestimate here in 2021. The African middle class is estimated at 350 million people, willingly and increasingly able to purchase foreign goods and services out of a total population of nearly 1 billion. The total African buying power. According to the Harvard Business Review, will be approximately 1.1 trillion. I'm gonna say that one more time: 1.1 trillion by 2022. Meanwhile, African producers can see a U.S. consumer market of 345 million people that already has a purchasing power of more than 11 trillion, the largest in the world. So when we take a look at what Africa has to offer, it offers everything. So, um, Africa is the source of strategic minerals and other resources in significant percentages that the modern world cannot do without, such as uh, <clears throat> coton, uh with cobalt, which is in the Democratic Republic uh, of the Congo platinum, diamonds and gold. Um, And that's, and you know, we still need to pay attention to um, Africa's share of global oil production. It still tops uh, 8 million barrels a day, and five of the world's top 30 oil producers are in Africa. So, when we take a look at what's going on in the U.S. as it pertains to Africa, the United States has the second largest African diaspora behind Brazil. Let me repeat that one more time. The The United States has the second largest african diaspora behind brazil Uh, the african diaspora both native-born and new residents currently totals 46 million and according to nielsen a global performance management company this population will grow to 74 and a half million by 2060 and its buying power would reach 1.1 trillion again by 2022 african-born or first generation members of this group already may have economic roots on the continent of Africa and can be the leading edge of a growing American economic engagement with companies within African nations. And so when we look at the African Growth Opportunity Act, which is something I discuss heavily uh, amongst GABA members, uh, this is a GOA. This was created in uh, the year 2000 to enhance U.S. Africa trade This trade process has provided duty-free and quote-free access for more than 64 exportable items into the U.S. Now, that is very, very, very important. And I want to repeat that one more time. This trade process has provided duty-free, tariff-free, quote-free access for more than 6,400 exportable items in the U.S. What that means, ladies and gentlemen, is that I can get textiles from Ghana or Nigeria or Kenya, and they can go to the. It can come right here, um, to <clears throat> to customs right here at the port of entry here in the United States. In many cases, you are, are charged tariffs on those textiles, but because those countries have a relationship with the U.S. through a Goa, it's duty free and tariff free. Now, We need to understand that as as African American. Uh, small, medium-sized enterprises, that that's very important to engage in because it gives the clear advantage to our business um, network here in the U.S. But when you examine the statistics of AGOA, it's clear that the trade process overall has been a success in increasing the economic engagement between the United States and nations in Africa. Um, However, the extractive industries have compromised more than 90% of the trade under a goa there have been advances in manufacturing of textiles and apparel steel and even auto parts uh, but the trade statistics show too many of the line items allowed under a goa are not taken advantage of um, the question is not how to make a, a goal a success it's how to make a Goa a broader success keep in mind that a goa is going to expire in 2025 Okay. So we need to be having conversations right now about how to keep a afloat. I also want to point out this to uh, everyone. About two thirds of Africans are involved in the agriculture sector, but agricultural products are not even, are nearly as prevalent among African exports to the United States as they could be. Our government has not done a good job of explaining to the governments in Africa Uh, some of our sanitary rules uh, which were established to protect the American consumers from unsafe food products. But we need to explain these uh, needed regulations to those who produce agricultural products and not just to government officials. Expanding the benefits of AGOA to African agricultural producers will affect more African lives than almost anything else we can do in the trade uh, arena. Meanwhile, although there are adventurous uh, U.S uh, SMEs, including diaspora SMEs that have found success in doing business in Africa, clearly there have not been as many as could, uh, could many as could have been enjoyed uh, such success despite trade assistance available through the US government. So you have this um, inter- this, this newly formed uh, International Development Finance Corporation um, that was created. Um, under the Trump administration, um, what is known as the Better Utilization of Investments Leading to the Development Act, they call it the BUILD Act, which is going to allow a 21st century free market approach to development finance that should help boost U.S. trade and investment in Africa. And the ideal is for, for the BUILD Act to raise uh, the contingent liability cap to $60 billion over the next five years to um, permits minority equity investments up to 30 percent of total equity in any given project and provides technical assistance and grants for advisory services, project studies, and project promotion and most importantly allows pr- uh, products to be dominated and repayable in foreign currency. So now you have the USAID, uh, which is the U.S. Agency for International Development along with other trade-related U.S. government agencies was um, that's going to strengthen uh, coordination to create this two-way business pipeline of American and African potential business partners, and so uh, I'm bringing this I'm bringing this up um, to your attention if you're listening to this broadcast. I'm bringing this up for a couple of reasons. While these agencies are working with um, these potential business potential private businesses to do business in Africa, where does that lead us? Um, right here in the African diaspora. I mean, are we trying to expand more um, businesses that are white or Fortune 500 companies to penetrate the market to compete with China? Or are we really focusing on SMEs that look like us to penetrate the African market? Um, and we, we have to start having these kind of conversations. In fact, they got to be meaningful inter, uh, intervention between Africa and the diaspora. And we have to go beyond uh, remittances and develop larger financial instruments we brag about uh, black owned banks here in the United States are doing this and they're giving back but how many of those black owned banks have an XM a. US XMIM component where an african- American business uh, can engage the XMIM bank on the right and finance their projects uh, like food processing or even um, building a manufacturing capacity on the agriculture. Um, to, to on, in Ghana or in Cote d'Ivoire or Sierra Leone or Botswana. Where's those black banks? Uh, we have to mobilize our financial resources here for investment in Africa. And we have to change the narrative and mobilize the diaspora for Africa. Also, there needs to be a full-fledged study of the capabilities of the African diaspora here in the U.S., both services and professionals. Uh, we have to identify Africa needs to identify products to sell to the diaspora. Now you've been hearing me uh, for seven years talk about that same uh, same thing of, of connecting African based businesses with products that they can sell and invest here in the U.S. Um, there should be insurances for the diaspora and the diaspora needs to become uh, familiar with African stock exchanges. That's important, um, um, not just for building your, your current wealth but also building long-term legacy building um, as it pertains to investments of African-based businesses on the continent. Um, we have to start conducting real trade fairs uh, that should be organized with the diaspora to bring African products to the diaspora. Um, the African Union uh, should connect with African departments and in, in American universities. In fact, uh, I don't, you know, when where is the African Union connecting with the Department of African or African-American studies or the Department of Africology at Eastern Michigan University. That conversation has never taken place. Uh, we sh- and we have to establish connectivity among the diaspora while within our embassies and African co- and countries. I mean, these are some things, these are just some things we have been discussing and some solutions, um, some key steps that we need to be focusing on. Um, let's. Also, I just want to point out Uh, The focus of USAID development policy uh, is enabling what we refer to journey of self-reliance. And what we mean by this is we want to aim to work with African governments. The USAID want to aim to work with African governments to strengthen their efforts to build their economies and strengthen their societies Um, and providing development aid, uh, such as contributions to facilitating the U.S. trade and and investment with African countries. Uh, They want to use this tool to achieve the greater goal of helping their African partners. Now, now development aid, you know, I, I, you know, people have heard me in the past say that, um, you know, we don't want more aid. We want more trade. And I agree with that. Um, I agree with that, that, you know, USAID gives development aid, um, traditionally it goes to, um, these coffers of these corrupt leaders and that they never matriculate down to any kind of any kind of development. I think we need to focus on more trade, um, as it pertains to, as it pertains to, um, uh, Africa and, and linking the wealth between the continent and here in local urban communities, um, here in the U S in, in the U S. Um, I'd like to point out to the, to the, to our audience, that between 2010 and 2018, um, the U.S. AID trade and investment hubs have facilitated 450 million in uh, gold exports from Africa, and created an investment pipeline in Africa more than 600 million. In the last year alone, U.S. exports to Africa totaled about 22 billion. I'm gonna say that last. I'm gonna say that one more time. In the last year alone, uh, U.S. export to Africa totaled 22 billion. And by the U.S. Commerce uh, Department metric of seven thousand U.S. jobs for every one billion in exports, that meant 154,000 in, uh, jobs in America were dependent on U.S. trade with Africa. Uh, I, I cannot, I cannot personally stress uh, the importance of that. Uh, want to also point out. Um, also want to point out this um, for those who are interested in government procurement. Um, And this is only based on uh, fiscal year 2018. USAID awarded and obligated the largest amount ever directly to US-based small businesses, uh, approximately uh, 686 million out of a total portfolio of 4.8 billion in prime contracts. Um, And this this translates to approximately about 14% of prime awards. Um, And so again, this is something um, USAID on the other end um, is trying to is trying to engage small businesses. So USAID is not uh, the beast from hell, you know. I it's, we just want to push more trade than aid uh, with the resources that are available. Um, also, when you take a look at also when you look at take a look at uh, other entities like the African Women Entrepreneurship Program. Now this is an outreach education and engagement initiative that targets African women entrepreneurs to promote business growth and increase uh, trade both regionally into U.S. markets through the African Growth Opportunity Act as a GOA and create better business environments and empower African women entrepreneurs to become the voices of change in their communities. And the African U.S. African Development Foundation, which, um, which I'm very familiar with, is the American government's uh, African Enterprise Development Agency. They invest in small, grassroots, and growing businesses to promote economic development, self-reliance, and entrepreneurship, and creating pathways to prosperity um, and for underserved communities. And so, you know, one of the things we have to pay attention to is identify U.S. markets for African goods and to develop marketing and distribution strategies. And we need to figure. We need to understand. That, you know, especially in the framework of the fourth industrial revolution in the 21st century, uh, we can no longer ignore uh, our local communities as it pertains to building uh, economic development with the continent of Africa. So it doesn't matter if you live in Detroit, Michigan or Inkster, Michigan or Romulus or or Plano, Texas or Prince George County, um, Maryland or Atlanta, Georgia or, or Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, we have to link the wealth and connect the dots um, um, between our resources here and back home. Now, you know, when we take a look at uh, when we take in, here's an example of linking the wealth. Uh, oftentimes you will hear me talk about on this broadcast about the need to build new cities in Africa. Well, they're doing that right now in Egypt. Um, they're building a brand new administrative um, capital. Uh, where they're going to move the capital out of Cairo into this new administrative capital that they're building from the ground up and building it as a smart city. Well, for the envisioned new cities of Africa to be built, they would need to be modern, comprehensive building codes that not only ensure safety, but also protect the environment. And also we have to run those cities on blockchain. We have to run those cities on, on making sure that the digital infrastructure is, in, is intact. And I just want to point out one thing. We do have the human capital in our community right now to make that work. We have the urban and regional planners. There's a gentleman uh, running for governor of Arkansas right now. Uh, this gentleman is running for, uh, I think his name is Chris Jones, if my, name, if my memory served me right. Uh, he's running for governor of, of Arkansas. Uh, this man has a PhD. He's a nuclear engineer, ladies and gentlemen. He has a PhD in, in urban and regional planning. and his wife is an air force veteran who is an er doctor now what type of powerhouse uh that that um um, what kind of powerhouse that is in terms of not just a, a marriage base but also a power base to move move not just move themselves in the 21st century but move to give an example to move our community in the 21st century this gentleman is an urban and regional planner that means if he became the governor of Arkansas, he can actually um, use Arkansas as a blueprint of bringing uh, of bringing communities up to code and up to speed in the 21st century. We can use that as a blueprint to build other build new capitals in places like Sierra Leone, Cote d'Ivoire, uh, building new capitals in the Central African Republic when that when that country becomes a little more stable, building brand new cities. Um, to that are smart and that are on cryptocurrency and blockchain um, that is that that has ICT. And so we have to start. We don't need we need to throw away the box and think down the road of what this looks like. And then I would like to just uh, bring up to you guys. Um, you have folks, you have um, nations like Ghana that promote dual citizenship. And so, you know, Ghana promotes dual citizenship. Um, we need to take full advantage of any African nation that has dual citizenship. If you're an African-American and you go to Ghana and you create dual citizenship, you're also creating opportunities for you to do business and be a a a, a real game changer um, in terms of that. We have to uh, start showcasing skills um, as it pertains to Africa projects and the financial capacity of the diaspora. Again, from construction, engineering, infrastructure, healthcare, education, waste management, real estate development, financial services, transportation, logistics, manufacturing, export, import, logistics, media, marketing, distribution. This is what 90% of nations are looking for, um, to help rebuild. I know personally that Sierra Leone and even some parts, uh, Sierra Leone, even some, some issue um, on parts of Nigeria, if not all of Nigeria, uh, and, um, um, uh, Liberia, um, To spin the wheel in Africa and pick a nation, this is what they're really looking for. Period, point blank. Real estate development. If you are into real estate development and and you're trying to do business in The Gambia, this is your calling. If you are into healthcare and you want to build a 21st century healthcare uh, facility in Nigeria, Ghana, this is your calling. Waste management is a big problem in Africa. I mean I mean we take advantage of all the resources here in local black communities and we complain about our trash not being picked up on time or anything like that and these folks don't have no place to put trash. So it just it's just something to think about. And then we need to get and then we need to really engage our African ambassadors and we need to encourage our African ambassadors on embassy role in in Washington DC to stop uh, hiring all these white lobbyists on K Street uh, to outline their development priorities and and all these things in the lobby on Capitol Hill. Um, it was time out for the colonization. And it, you need to be hiring the Global African Business Association um, with experts who can um, go to Capitol Hill uh, to lobby on your behalf and beyond that. Uh, U.S. agencies... Um, U.S. agencies are going to have to do a better job of, of sharing programs and resources available to U.S., to small, medium-sized U.S. and African-based businesses who need better and quicker access to business visas. Um, I, that, I think that's very important. I know one of the things that, uh, that I talk about a whole lot is opening the door for more treaty agreements uh, between, um, between African nations and in the U.S. where where African nationals can engage in the E1, E2 visa, as well as helping them navigate the EB-5 investor visa. Um, So, you know, one of the, so some of the things we need to pay attention to, ladies and gentlemen, is we need to create a one-stop resource center. These are my recommendations as a president and CEO of GABA. We need to create a one-stop resource center where we can um, contact, where we can contact, access, and relevant and needed agencies that are made available. We need to start focusing on workshops, to focus on export and import initiatives to educate and enlighten and engage entrepreneurs, um, supported by whether, regardless of what agency, we need to make that happen, whether it's USAID, uh, whether it's U.S. Commercial Services, the U.S. Exim Bank, and so forth. Um, we're going to have to start doing some trade missions um, for country orientation and need assessment to create business to business matchmaking. Um, that trade mission doesn't necessarily have to be just an agriculture, but it can just it can also be real estate. It can be waste management. It could be healthcare. care. So we need to. So we just need to zero in on what city we want to target on the continent and create a sister city approach to things and then engaged um, from gauge moving forward, providing pro- we also need to provide packaging opportunities to make uh, diaspora businesses presentable for global relationships. And of course partner with the embassies in African Union for massive awareness campaign doing business in Africa for action and accountability. Um, you know I think these are some of the key things we need to pay attention to and really get serious about we have folks. Um, who want to do educational tools on blockchain. We have folks who want to do educational tools on smart cities. Uh, we have folks that want to do educational tools on cyber education or career technical education or what you call technical vocational educational training um, to as a, as a part of a campaign to revamp the educational systems, moving it away from the French and British model into a 21st century model so that when our children are finish with their education they have an apprenticeship and even depending on what type of institution they attended they can even have a degree as well and so uh, i want to leave you with this um it's time for us to get busy you can reach us at gabanetwork.com that's g-a-b-a-n-e-t-w-o-r-k.com, and share this broadcast with others in your network and this is this is the time for us to really get serious see here's the thing I'm gonna leave you with this we talk about politics all the time I don't even talk to politicians who are talking who are not talking about um, empowering their local communities in the framework of the fourth Industrial Revolution and preparing that community for the fifth industrial Revolution in terms of engagement with women empowerment and women businesses there was just a report. Um, That just came out. I actually posted it on social media about how black women in this country, in the United States, are the most educated group in our community. Black women lead the way in business um, in terms of business development. I know someone on a program last week asked me a question. How come GABA have 80 percent women? Um, This is the reason why, (laughs) because black women um, lead the lead the way and, um, business and economic development engagement. And now they're the most educated, uh, they're the most educated, um, they're the most educated, um, group here in the United States. Now that, especially within our community now, for me, um, for me, you know, looking at that and and reading that and the percentage of, uh You know, black students, preferably black women, has gone has increased in the last thirty years. Um, The reality is, is the reality is, is that black women are leaders, and we now have to discuss. You know, we have to have a separate discussion about black women uh, carrying a lion's share of student loan debt, which is about one point seven trillion dollars. That's another conversation, another strategy that we have to discuss and uh, execute a plan for that. But black women are leaders. I mean, that's just the reality, and the black women are leaders globally, and that's the reality, and that's moving into the fifth industrial revolution. And so, so all this stuff that I've been talking about is connecting the dots, and this is what we talk about in GABA. And so, I want to leave you with that. Go to gabanetwork.com. Let me hear your comments. Go to gabanetwork.com. Thank you for listening for link, uh, listening to Linking the Wealth.